episode 137 of the Marvel Studios News Podcast. My name is Sean Gerber, joined as always by Paul Herman. There's really no need for me to ask you how you're doing today, Paul. No, there really isn't. No. Just, uh, no. Not so good. Not so good. No. Um, at least as it relates to Marvel things. And yeah. I'm reminded of February 9th, 2015, but in a completely different way. Where back <laughs> on that day, four and a half years ago... There was an announcement that Disney slash Marvel Studios had entered into agreement with Sony to share the rights for Spider-Man, and we've been benefiting from that. Both studios have been benefiting, and we as fans have been benefiting ever since. But now, it looks like that deal is very much in danger of not continuing or not uh, having another round of an extension because because it was because it was before, and we were hoping it would be extended again. We even started thinking maybe it already was extended because of the mid credit scene for Spider-Man Far From Home gave us a lot of hope that because they had a clear direction of where things seemed to be headed, that that yeah. meant everybody mm-hmm. was, was on the same page and everybody was together for the long haul between Sony, Disney, and Marvel Studios for Spider-Man. That does not appear to be the case. So, negotiations for an extension beyond Spider-Man Far From Home have broken down according to a report from Deadline. So, Disney and Marvel Studios and Sony Pictures, they are at an impasse, and we do not know, as of right now, Kevin Feige and Marvel Studios are not going to be be producing Spider-Man solo films. That could change, and we're going to talk about all of that, uh, but as of right now, uh, it looks like uh, so, or Kevin Feige and Marvel Studios are, are on the outs when it comes to the Spider-Man solo franchise. And that would also mean, by the way, that Spider-Man would be on the outs when it comes to uh, any future or what would have been inevitable team-up opportunities for Marvel Studios. So to cover all of this, I will, for some of you, this a lot of this may sound familiar, but because there tends to be a lot of uh, confusion and people misremembering things when it comes to the Spider-Man sharing deal... The best way for me to communicate all of this and recap all of this is to go back to the very beginning. Not Amazing Fantasy 15, but go back to February 9, 2015, when the deal was first announced. So if you'll recall, when the deal was first announced, it was a one-for-one deal. Spider-Man was going to appear in a team-up movie that would be made by Marvel Studios and distributed by Disney. That film, of course, ended up being Captain America Civil War. The other film in that deal was a Spider-Man solo film that Marvel Studios would produce, but Sony would distribute. Sony would also 100% finance and then distribute. That, of course, ended up being Spider-Man Homecoming. And actually, at the time, the, ne- the day after that deal was announced, back on February 10th, The Hollywood Reporter actually was the one, they were the ones who broke the story that no money was actually changing hands. So Disney would be, they would be the ones fully paying for Spider-Man in the team-up film Civil War, and they would be keeping all the profits. Sony would be paying in full for Spider-Man Homecoming, and they not that we knew the title at the time, but it ended up being Homecoming. They would pay for that in full, and then they would be keeping the profits. That's the way it was going to work. So the deal ended up being extended. That extension covered Spider-Man's appearances in Infinity War and Endgame, in, in Avengers Infinity War and Avengers Endgame for Disney slash Marvel Studios, as well as Marvel Studios then making Spider-Man Far From Home for Sony. Now, there's been reports today that Marvel Studios actually gets a 5% first dollar gross off of these Spider-Man solo films. That was not reported during the first version of the deal. So either somebody just missed that detail or maybe that's something that got added 
for the Infinity War Endgame and Far From Home extension. Separately, Tom Holland has mentioned that he has a six-film contract. Now, some people have tried to say that because Tom Holland has a six-film contract, that's why that that's what meant that there was definitely going to be an extension and there was no chance that this sharing deal would end after Spider-Man Far From Home. That's false. So when and we have said, we talked about this with Venom, whether it was on the main show, or I know we definitely talked about this extensively on our Patreon, patreon.com slash Marvel Studios News, and a lot of the exclusive shows we have over there, we talked about how the success of Venom could eventually lead to Spider-Man being taken out of the MCU. We've known that this was possible. Now, some people tried to say that that was... That, that Opinions such as that were concern trolling, and they weren't. It was just a realistic assessment of things that could happen based on the reality of what had been announced publicly, because previously Amy Pascal and Kevin Feige had both said that, and the last time anybody spoke publicly about it, they had said that the deal, the current version of the the Spider-Man sharing deal, was going to end with Spider-Man Far From Home, and everybody hoped to have an extension beyond that. So anyway, Tom Holland's contract, it was for six movies, But the reports today seem to suggest that Sony is developing two films for Tom Holland. So if you're keeping score at home, he's already made five movies, which would mean he should only have one movie left on his deal, which either means they have added a movie to his deal, or potentially Endgame was the film that was added and it didn't count towards the original six-film deal, because if you really look at it, Tom Holland isn't in Endgame that much. Spider-Man only comes in for the final battle. He's not there throughout the film like he was for Infinity War. So maybe that one didn't count, or subsequently another film was added. Sony also reportedly plans to bring back John Watts for these two Spider-Man solo films. John Watts has not signed for either of these projects, but the belief is that Sony would be able to get him back along with Tom Holland. So here's where we are now. So just to recap one more time very quickly, it was a one-for-one deal that for Civil War and Homecoming, that eventually got extended to cover Infinity War, uh, Endgame, and Far From Home. So here's where we're at now, according to Deadline. Far From Home, well, this is not according to Deadline, this is just according to box office numbers. Far From Home is the highest grossing film in the entire history of Sony Pictures at $1.11 billion, rounding up a bit. What Disney wants going forward is a 50-50 deal with Sony for these solo Spider-Man films. But 50-50 is not just Disney wanting half of the profit. Disney is also willing to pay half of the money. They're willing to co-finance these films 50-50. So both studios would equally share the cost, and then, of course, they would equally share the profits of these Spider-Man films. Sony was wanting to just keep paying that 5% first dollar gross. So I've seen people look at this and say, well, Disney wants 10 times what they were getting before. And that math isn't accurate because... 5% 5% first day gross is not a, or first dollar gross is not actually based on profit. That's just based on the actual the gross box office revenue. And Disney is getting that without putting up any money to finance these Spider-Man movies. So in terms of a profit percentage, it's actually more it would actually work out to be more than 5%. So they're not really trying to multiply this by 10, but the biggest thing here is the biggest difference though is that Disney currently is not spending any money to make Spider-Man movies, but now they would be willing to split that cost 50-50. According to Deadline, and this is what Deadline initially reported, that Sony just completely balked at the 50-50 deal, 
and didn't even bring and didn't even have a counter. They just walked away from it and said, no, that's not what we're doing. Sony sources originally phrased as Sony insiders, and then they changed the verbiage on the article a bit on Deadline. But then Sony got in touch with Deadline saying that Sony did, in fact, come back with counter offers that Disney rejected. Now, the sequence of those events is significant, and I'll talk about that more in a bit. Sony has also apparently told, or reportedly told, io9 that they believe this dispute is over producer credit and that negotiations haven't broken down, they are ongoing. And Kevin Feige, by the way, when it comes to producer credits, he's been contributing on other Spider-centric movies without receiving any credit, and we know that this has happened. If you go back to the Sony email scandal, people will remember, or some may remember, that Kevin Feige's notes for Amazing Spider-Man 2 came out. And he wasn't officially involved with that movie, but he was watching movies and giving notes. And that's something that Amy Pascal has previously referred to. So a Sony representative told io9 that this is about producer credit and negotiations are ongoing. Disney also reportedly has concerns, and this has shown up for multiple outlets through all the trades, including Deadline, The Hollywood Reporter, Variety, that Disney may have some concerns about Feige being spread too thin because this 50-50 deal that that Disney is is proposing here or demanding depending on how you look at it it might also include other Spider-Man related movies so it might include more of the SUMC type of things a Venom sequel any of these other spin-offs that Sony has been planning so there may be some concern on Disney's part that Feige is being spread too thin because he still has a full slate of Disney-distributed Marvel Studios movies to make, as well as these Disney Plus series now. Variety has reported that, even though io9 was reporting that, uh, heard from Sony that negotiations are ongoing, Variety was reporting that no talks are currently happening, but a deal might still be reached. So what the hell is all of this? So knowing all of this that that came out today, what exactly happened? Well, right now, what I believe all of this is, and many people have already offered this same theory, I think it's a negotiation tactic. And I think the fact that Deadline originally published the article and then went back and added new material from Sony Insiders, that points to Marvel or Di- and or Disney being the source of the leak to Deadline. If it was Sony, why would their insiders need to send Deadline a response to information that they would have been the source of? It just doesn't make sense. Also, when you look at the timing, even though the news had already come out, Uh, In the days before, Sony, for the first time using the Spider-Man social accounts, officially announced today the extended cut of Spider-Man Far From Home with four extra minutes. They sent out that tweet at 12 p.m. Pacific time from the official Spider-Man Twitter account. This deadline article dropped 54 minutes later. So it's almost as if there was a very intentional, coordinated reigning on the parade of this Spider-Man extended cut news to say, whoa, 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 wait a minute, as excited as anybody may be about that, This whole idea of Spider-Man being in the MCU is in trouble. So what's true and what isn't in all of this? Well, not that we can ever know for sure, but I'll just go ahead and speculate. The idea that, you know, for a Sony rep, and I don't doubt that they told io9 this, but I don't buy this idea that producer credit is at all an issue in any of these negotiations. Agreed. Kevin Feige has never come across, not that I know the man personally, but he's never come across as the guy who would let a deal break down over credit. This is the guy when he's told that he's the guy, he's the creator of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. He says, look, I didn't create the idea of a shared universe. It was in the comics. We just put it on the big screen. He deflects credit every chance he gets. And while you could say that that's false modesty and behind closed doors, the guy's a monster who wants credit for everything, 
I've just never heard that about the guy. I don't know that to be at all true about the guy. And even if it was, why would Sony want to lose this deal over producer credit for Kevin Feige when he is, by their own admission, working on these movies and not receiving credit? If he's been working on them, then just give him the credit and it's over. So that's not an issue at all. I think that's done to make Feige and everybody and other folks at Disney or Marvel maybe look bad and look petty. And so I don't buy that in the least. This really is about money and maybe a little bit of ego. Not Kevin Feige ego wanting producer credit, but there's probably a little bit of ego on Sony's part. Now, to be 100% clear, because I know there's been some talk of, oh, Sony's the bad guy in all of this, and they're the one, you know, boycott Sony, this and that. I don't think anybody's a good guy in these negotiations. I don't think anybody's a bad guy in these negotiations. These are two companies. These are two multi-billion dollar companies. There's no little guy here. These are two massive multi-billion dollar movie studios that are trying to that are part of even bigger multi-billion dollar corporations that are just trying to get the best deal for their business interests. So, when we look about the when we look at this in terms of money, before Marvel Studios would have been happy enough to just keep getting this 5% first dollar gross because they really needed Spider-Man to be part of their team-ups for their grand finale, to have Civil War and then go through Infinity War and Endgame. They really wanted Spider-Man to be a part of that. But Marvel has now had the biggest team-up movies that they are going to have probably for the next several years. I mean, we're probably at least a few years away from another Avengers movie, but probably, I mean, four or five years away at least from another Avengers movie. And even then... It wouldn't necessarily be a massive culmination Avengers movie like an Infinity War or an Endgame. It'd be closer to like an Avengers or an Age of Ultron type of scale movie. So if they don't have Spider-Man for that, it's not ideal, but they can live with it. So the value of Spider-Man being in team-up movies is no longer the same as it was in Phase 3. And it's no longer enough to make it worth Marvel Studios making solo films for Sony that they're not going to make, that Disney is not going to make enough money back on. So that, I think, is a a huge part of the driver here of why Disney wants more money. So Disney, understandably, wants more compensation for the Spider-Man solo films that its division, Marvel Studios, is making for Sony. 50% is a lot, but as I said, they're now also willing to share 50% of the cost, which was not the case before. Now, Sony, from their perspective, they think they're fine, and they might be if they can actually hold on to what they just what they've been establishing or what they've been putting together these past couple of years venom made 856 million dollars last year they've got a morbius spin-off that they've already shot they've got venom 2 ramping up they had spider-man into the spider-verse which may not have blown the roof off the box office but it was a profitable movie and it did win a best animated feature oscar and what sony also understands is that even if they're, let's say the next Spider-Man movie that they put out is not quite as good as Homecoming or Spider-Man Far From Home, there's enough trust in the, from the general audience perspective. I know a lot of diehard MCU fans like us online will freak out and say, screw Sony, this is, you know, well, I'm not saying screw Sony, I think they're just negotiating, but people say, you know, fans might say, to hell with Sony, they're the ones costing us Spider-Man in the MCU, we don't trust them. Blah, 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 blah. Well, most of those people screaming online are still going to go watch that movie. And a lot of general audience members are not going to be the wiser. Maybe they'll, maybe they'll catch, catch a whiff of this, but maybe not. 
In the end, though, when the trailers come out and they see that it's Tom Holland, they just think it's the same Spider-Man movies that they've been watching, and it may not necessarily dawn on many of them that this movie is not actually made by Marvel Studios. So because of the trust that's been established by the movies Marvel Studios has made, Sony will get, at the very least, a really great opening weekend off of the next Spider-Man film, even if Marvel Studios ultimately is not involved. Then it comes down to the quality of that film. If that film is good, then they can just keep it rolling into the next one if they are going to make another Tom Holland Spider-Man film after this third one. That's fine for them. If it takes a dip in quality, well, then they'll still make that fourth one with Tom Holland, and maybe they won't make quite as much money from it, but they'll just keep rolling with it. We know that Sony sometimes can be comfortable with diminishing box office returns because Spider-Man is their main thing that they have. It is their golden goose, which is part of the reason why they don't want to share these profits. Now, as we've known about in the reporting, Deadline said that this was going. these negotiations have been going on for months. I thought something was up back in December and January because there was a trailer that was cut for Spider-Man Far From Home that was ready to go in December, and all of a sudden it didn't make it, and then it got pushed back without really any explanation into January. I think that is that, as well as some Venom 2 timing, I, I think those things might point to how these negotiations have been progressing. I think that these deal extension negotiations really started getting heated, really started heating up late last year, going into the early part of this year. And I think everybody was acting in good faith. Why does the mid credit scene point to the future for Spider-Man? And why is everybody so excited about that when nobody even knows if this deal is going to be extended? I think it's just good faith. It's everybody thinking it's both sides, Disney and Sony, feeling like this was going to happen. Like it, It's both sides feeling like we don't have an extension in place yet. Nobody signed anything, but we both have the, the intent to agree on an extension. So this is what, how we think it's going to work. Somewhere along the lines, it went from good faith to now we're just negotiating and maybe we're playing a little bit of hardball in these negotiations. And I think Venom 2 might be related to this. Venom made a bunch of money last year, and we heard almost radio silence. It, for a movie that was a brand new franchise that made so much money, $856 million, very uncommon for a brand new comic book superhero-based franchise to make that much in its first film, Sony wasn't touting its success as much as they could have, and you could say maybe that's because they were a little embarrassed because the movie wasn't well-reviewed, even though it made a bunch of money. But in any event, we still didn't hear very much about this sequel. And then all of a sudden, in these last few weeks, we're hearing about the Venom sequel. In the last few weeks, directors are coming in, and Andy Serkis is signed to direct this movie. And I feel like this was part of the negotiating tactic, because everything was kind of on hold while they were figuring out are we going to keep sharing Spider-Man? Well, while Sony was figuring out, are we going to keep sharing Spider-Man with Marvel Studios? Is that going to happen? And if we are going to do that, is Marvel Studios going to be working with us on the SUMC? How are all these things going to factor in? And at some point, these negotiations started to break down, and that's probably when Sony started worrying more about their own specific plans, started moving forward with Venom 2, and maybe the response from Disney and Marvel is this leak to say, look, we need to let everybody know that this is breaking down, so that way fans can go, go online and say how badly they want Spider-Man to be part of the MCU. And now maybe Sony comes back to the negotiating table as Sony is telling, as at least eight, one Sony rep is telling io9 that negotiations are still ongoing, whether or not Variety agrees with that based on their sources. Remain, doesn't appear that that's the case, but Sony is maybe trying to characterize this as something that's ongoing. So where is it going to go from here? 
I don't know. I don't know. I would love to be able to tell you that this is all just, well, it is just negotiating, but just because it's all, these are all negotiation tactics, even though I think most of this is just, as I said, posturing between multi-billion dollar corporations and the executives who are running them. Yes, it's all of that, but it doesn't always result in a deal being done. So I do think both sides want a deal to get done. I don't know what that's going to take. I don't know if that means that maybe instead of a 50-50 split, maybe Disney's share of the cost and profit on these, maybe it needs to land somewhere between 25 and 40% if I'm just throwing out numbers. I don't know where, uh, where that needs to land for everybody to agree that this is a good deal for all involved. But right now, at, at Paul, you were asking me before we started recording the show how I think this is all going to go. And I would love to say I'm super confident that they're going to get a deal done. I think maybe they will, but I still have it as a coin flip because maybe this really is, maybe these hardball negotiation tactics will rub too many people the wrong way and the feelings will just, and people won't be able to get past it because this actually is, it, it's not great the way that these two sides are negotiating no. in tech. It's, it's a standard thing. We see it all the time. I should add that one last thing to wrap up here. Even though you'd say, well, they're negotiating in the press and this isn't the way that they should do business, this is the way people do business quite frequently in that industry. So I'm yeah. really not that concerned with it. I don't think anybody's really being that sneaky or underhanded about mm -hmm. this. It's just two sides negotiating for their for what's best for their business. And as fans, we're just caught in the middle because now it puts us in this situation where yeah. there is a very realistic possibility. Everything could be resolved and everything could be fixed. But right now, we have to live with the very real possibility that Spider-Man is done in the MCU. It's a possibility, and it's, it's, it's maddening. The whole situation is so frustrating for me because, one, I'm a, I'm a Spider-Man fan, a giant Spider-Man fan, for those who you know, don't know me or, or whatever. If this is your first time you're listening to the podcast, thank you for downloading. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, but here's the, here's the deal that there is so much to kind of process, I think, in all this because there is a lot going on, and mm. there's a lot of there's a, like you said, you said you did a great job just now. By the way, I, I really mean that. Like that was a great just kind of breakdown of everything. And the one thing that I think for me that's so frustrating as a Spider-Man fan is that yes, I want these characters to all be talking together and and working you know and all of them all work together etc cetera, etc cetera. yes but i also want good spider-man stories and that's kind of my issue here is that i feel that sony after making some pretty big mistakes um you know and, and I, let's and let's be real let's, let's kind of talk about this a little bit let's go back to the first real mistakes they did. Let's go back to Spider-Man three, which was, again, I don't think is as bad as people say it is. I did try to rewatch it recently when I got it on 4k and oh man, it's, it's rough and uh, it's, it's hard to watch at times. And I remember just wanting to love it so much. And I still love it because it had, you know, black Spider-Man suit and venom and, and Sandman was amazing. Uh, he did. He still looks amazing, but the story is garbage. The acting is garbage. Um, you know, there's just Sam Raimi is such a great director, but he just does. Like you could just tell his heart's not in that story. Everyone is just not into what's going on right there. And Sony and Avi Arad pushed their agenda. And then even though it made a ton of money, there was a little blemish on Spider-Man going, oh, yeah, OK, you know, and then they try to get Spider-Man four failed. Right. They kind of last minute, they kind of said, you know what, we're going to go a different direction. And because we have all of a sudden we have the Batman Begins and the kind of you could almost say the superhero renaissance kind of started happening a little bit. Uh, I don't say renaissance, but let's say 
really started to kick into high gear with Batman Begins and kind of, you know, kind of setting the tone for you can take this stuff seriously. You can t- you can play everything straight 100 percent and still be like a good, good movie kind of started that. And then all of a sudden, you know, Amazing Spider-Man co- comes through. It, 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 it does. It, it does. OK, it does pretty well. And it's a good kind of reboot, if you will. It's the first Spider-Man reboot. Andrew Garfield, I think most people liked as for the most part as Spider-Man. You know, did again moderately moderate business. It also came out the same year as um, Avengers and everything. So I mean, it's uh, it 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 had a lot of stiff competition, but it it did okay. You know, didn't do amazing, no pun intended, but (laughs) it didn't. But it didn't do poorly, and I saw it. I I enjoyed it. Fast forward, Amazing Spider-Man two, and that thing failed miserably, and they were putting all their chips into Amazing Spider-Man 2 and building this shared universe and it backfired in their face. And, you know, so what I'm trying to say is you've have not just the last movie. It's not just that, you know, Sony failed on, on the last Spider-Man, Spider-Man movie that they did themselves with Andrew Garfield and Amazing Spider-Man 2. No, no, it stems way farther back than that. They couldn't get their crap together from Spider-Man 3, the, the, the unfinished or uh, un, undone the Spider-Man 4, then you have Amazing Spider-Man, which is kind of a moderate success. It didn't do terrible, didn't you know? Didn't do amazing, but you have Amazing Spider-Man Two, which really didn't perform to even close to expectations, and also just really gave the character the first blemish ever, maybe in the mainstream, ever. I mean, maybe if you don't count Spider-Man Unlimited for the animated series, right? So, uh, <laughs> but uh, sorry, Spider-Man joke. Uh, so. <laughs> So here's my here's my point. Sony's track record record hasn't exactly been great, and we've already and I and I and I even though I am of the two of us actually enjoyed Venom, but I enjoy it ironically not because I, I think it's as great film as we've talked about with with our, with our patron Andrew on um on our on our commentary series we've mm-hmm. done, but the thing is like. I like that movie because it's ridiculous. It's it's a ridiculous movie. It's horribly acted in places and everything. It, it's not a great film. Let's be real here. What's not let's just call what it what it is. It's not a great film. It caught lightning in a bottle. Lightning in a bottle. And you know, granted you have a great movie star like a, uh, Tom Hardy who's fantastic and that's the you know the big thing you have going for you. And it made a decent amount of money. Now, a lot of that money was also made in China. So it's like, okay, so China really, you know, did help boost that back end there a a lot. I mean, it did well here too. But again, I I don't really count that as like, they can only have that a couple of different times before they actually start putting out a very quality, a quality film. And then you look at the Spider-Verse and we've all agreed that Spider-Verse is a fantastic movie. And again, I, I said Venom and Spider-Verse in both instances are lightning in a bottle for Sony. It is more the exception than the rule of what they've been able to accomplish with Spider-Man right now. If you don't count the MCU Spider-Verse is a achievement. Like I would, I never ever would have suspected. So you have all these things, right? You have all these things. Sony's bad track record with, with Spider-Man. And then you have the MCU come in basically in, insert him into the MCU basically you're, you know you shoot him with pin particles and enlarge him to where he needed to be he was shrinking and shrinking and shrinking thanks to Sony and then you know people are complaining about another Spider-Man movie and then all of a sudden bam MCU comes in he's huge Homecoming does great Far From Home gigantic you know you look at 
Into the Spider-Verse. Again, we talked about it. Commercially moderate successful, but huge, you know, huge accolades. Won an Academy Award. Venom, it, it does decently well. So exactly where does Sony think that they can figure this out and go, oh, we got this now? And what I don't understand is that you have all this. They have their bad track record. They are building something with Venom, and it remains to be seen if it'll do well because if Morbius bombs, where are they at? And so they're writing, they're writing, they're writing a lot on Morbius and Venom 2, one, right? And the fact that they're confident after Spider-Verse thinking, oh, we got the stories down. And maybe they think they can just grab the Spider-Verse writers and say, make us another Spider-Verse movie in live action or or in something like that. You have the magic well, Paul, or whatever. Well, Paul, we've got breaking news as this podcast is happening, and it's, oh. it's, not, it's not good. Oh, no. So the Hollywood Reporter has obtained a statement from Sony Pictures, and here is what they are saying, which backs up, as I said, and many had speculated that Disney and Marvel were, of course, the source of this leak to deadline. Here is the statement from Sony to the Hollywood Reporter, quote, Much of today's news about Spider-Man has mischaracterized recent discussions about Kevin Feige's involvement in the franchise. We are disappointed, but respect Disney's decision not to have him continue as a lead producer of our next live-action Spider-Man film. That's the end of the first part of the quote, and there's another part, there's a follow-up to that. Quote, We hope this might change in the future, but understand that the many new responsibilities that Disney has given him, including all their newly added Marvel properties, do not allow, him, do, do not allow time for him to work on IP they do not own. Kevin is terrific, and we are grateful for his help and guidance and appreciate the path he has helped put us on, which we will continue, end quote. Wow. So that's the last of it. They do at least say, we hope this might change in the future, uh, but it doesn't sound like they're expecting it to change for the very next Spider-Man film. But of course, it's not like that next Spider-Man film is -hmm. about to start production in the next couple of weeks here. There would still be quite a while to come up with a, a story for the film. Well, I mean, they probably have at least a loose idea of where the story's going based on the mid credit scene, but they've got to do a script, go through all of these, all the process that they have to go through to put this movie together. Uh, so at any point in time during that stretch, uh, Kevin Feige and Marvel Studios could be, uh, could potentially become involved again. But basically this is Sony trying to reshape the narrative and say, hey, look, mm-hmm. guys, it's not our fault. And they also don't seem to uh, they're not really focusing on the financial aspect of it. They're taking more of the, I mean, they do acknowledge the financial aspect of it just a bit there uh, in terms of that line about uh, Disney not wanting to have him uh, be part of something that they're not necessarily having the same uh, financial stake in. So I think while they're being very understanding and respectful of respectful of Disney's decision, they're also putting a lot of blame on this on basically there's Kevin Feige's too busy. And so for Kevin Feige to be able to handle the workload that, you know, Disney obviously needs to have something that uh, where they're going to have a, uh, a financial a financial stake. Because, I mean, they only really actually say do not allow him to work on IP they do not own, which is true. They don't own the movie rights to Spider-Man. So there is that there is that little dig there as far as them not owning it. Uh, but it's not just the fact that they don't own it. It's him working, not him not having the time to work on things that Disney is not going to profit from when there are so many projects that Disney would profit from. And while I appreciate Sony's position on all of this, trying to act like there's no financial solution here 
Because if this was just about Kevin Feige's workload, then there would be no nego- there wouldn't be a negotiation, right? If this was just about how much time there is in a day and how many days in a week and all these things for Kevin Feige to work on to work on these films, if that's what it came down to and there flat out wasn't enough time for him to work on Spider-Man films, then what would be the negotiation? Disney would just say, "Hey, we don't have time for this anymore. Bye guys." There is time, but Disney wants to be compensated for that time. And obviously Feige would be compensated as a producer. You get paid to be a producer on movies, but if Disney is going to effectively loan him out to work on those movies, yeah, it makes sense that Disney would want to have a financial stake in those films and a serious financial stake, not just 5% of the first dollar gross, but be willing to, we're going to share in the cost and we'll share in the profit of these movies. And that makes sense. Does a 50-50 split make sense? Maybe not. That's a little aggressive, but I could understand why Disney, I mean, when you negotiate, you don't ask for what you want. You ask for more than what you want so that that way you get a counteroffer that comes close to what you actually want. That's negotiating 101. So I don't know how true it is. I know obviously Sony came back at deadline and fed them information that they did come back with different configurations. But that's why the, the word that Deadline used was configurations, not as far as their counteroffers. Their counteroffers may still have had nothing to do with uh, cost sharing and then eventual profit sharing. I don't know what the negotiations were beyond what's been reported of Disney at 50-50 and Sony just wanting the 5% first dollar gross. So whatever other counters were in between that, we don't know. But there has to be a number that these two sides can settle on. And, and that makes sense for everybody. And I don't think it's wrong for Disney to want to share in the profits of the movies that their division is making, and their division is primarily responsible for the success, the recent success of Spider-Man as a character and as a movie franchise. As you said, Paul, uh, Sony had a good run in 2002 and 2004. Mm -hmm. Back-to-back good Spider-Man movies that made money, they made... The highest gro- up until Far From Home, the highest grossing Spider-Man film of all time with Spider-Man 3 in 2007, but people didn't like that movie, and Sony knew that, which is why they ended up, they flirted with the idea of a fourth Spider-Man film in that series for a long time, but eventually they still couldn't, uh, they couldn't justify it based on just the bad, uh, the bad memories that everybody had from Spider-Man 3, so they switched to the Andrew Garfield era. They took a cue from Batman Begins. That part of it didn't work, but they still made a decent movie in The Amazing Spider-Man in 2012. Then they brightened things back up with Amazing Spider-Man 2 in 2014. Problem was, the film was bad. The color palette wasn't that bad, but the film was bad, and it really wasn't a very profitable movie. It made just over $700 million, and you say, well, that's, a still, that's still a very high total. Okay, that part is true, but they spent any, I mean, there are estimates anywhere from 220 to $250 million and maybe even more that they might have spent on that film. So the profit margin, not great. Remember, part of what makes these superhero movies work is that even if the box office isn't phenomenal, you get these other revenue streams like the merchandise based on the movie. Well, Sony doesn't get that. Disney gets that money. So some people think, well, that's why Disney should just be able to work with Sony on this. No, because they don't have to have Kevin Feige be a producer on these movies and Marvel Studios be the producer on these movies in order to make the money from the from the merchandise that Sony has that, that's based on these Sony films. They don't have to do that. They get the merchandising revenue anyway. So that can't really be, or that shouldn't really be part of this negotiation. It's something Disney already has. So 
with Sony, they have not been consistent with this. They got away with one with Venom. It wasn't a great movie, and while you could say that audiences liked it more than critics, I think there's some truth to that, but like you said, Paul, I think there was a lot of ironic enjoyment of Venom. No disrespect to anybody who legitimately enjoys that movie through and through. I just think there was a lot of, hey, is this so bad it's good curiosity that drove some business to Venom, and I don't think the success that Venom had is sustainable. It doesn't mean they can't make a better Venom sequel and turn thing and keep things going financially for that franchise. Of course they can. And I actually like the choice of Andy Serkis, and I think that could be a lot of fun. But Sony has not been able to turn this into a sustainable thing. And as is often the case with Marvel Studios and them being so successful with these adaptations, is people forget what it was like before they dug their hands in and got to work. You and I were podcasting about this. Well, I mean, we've been podcasting together for a long time, but yeah, <laughs> podcasting when this deal first happened back in 2015, what was the attitude there? Oh, another Spider-Man reboot? Really? Mm-hmm. Who cares that it's Marvel Studios? It's another Spider-Man? Exactly. There was so much of that sentiment, and there was so much of people just ready to throw the dirt on Spider-Man and say, forget it. This character's done. Don't even care that it's Marvel Studios. Not interested. And then... All of a sudden, Spider-Man flips out in a trailer, says, hey, everyone, and then and the people start getting excited, and then they see Tom Holland. They don't even see Spider-Man yet. Tom Holland, as Peter Parker, walks into an apartment in Queens and says, says, says hi, I'm Peter, and everybody loses their minds. Why? Because it's perfect. Because Marvel Studios freaking nails it, because that's what they do. And so they really got this character going again, got audiences to care about this character. And so with Amazing Spider-Man 2 being as bad as it was, as poorly received as it was, the lowest grossing Spider-Man film to date, Spider-Man Homecoming as the next Spider-Man solo film after that should have probably made less money, maybe about the same. But no, it made it went from $708 million from Amazing Spider-Man 2 to $880 million for Spider-Man Homecoming. Why did it go up when the previous entry in the solo franchise was bad, was a disappointment. Because Marvel Studios. Because mm-hmm. Marvel Studios restored everyone's faith with Captain America Civil War, everybody got excited, they went and saw Spider-Man Homecoming, and it ended up being, at the time, the second highest grossing Spider-Man film of all time behind just Spider-Man 3. Now, of course, it's in third place. And then you get another round of Spider-Man, or another couple rounds of Spider-Man in Infinity War and Endgame, and all of a sudden, Spider-Man's a billion-dollar franchise. And not just a billion-dollar franchise, it's not just Spider-Man Far From Home, Not just the highest grossing film in the history of the Spider-Man franchise, the highest grossing film in the history of the movie studio, Sony Pictures. And Marvel Studios made that movie for them. Now, I don't want to act like Sony doesn't contribute to these films. They do. Uh, Kevin Feige and I believe John Watts, they've credited Amy Pascal, the producer producer of these films, along with Kevin Feige with these Spider-Man solo films, used to run Sony Pictures. It was actually her idea to out Peter Parker as Spider-Man in the mid-credit scene. That was her call. So, but again, Kevin Feige not trying to hog credit where it's not due. So I, that's why I don't I don't uh, buy the whole producer credit issue. So anyway, we have all of this stuff, uh, all this stuff going into it. Marvel Studios obviously they don't, they're not doing it by themselves. Sony Pictures does contribute, so I'm not trying to take that away from them. But Marvel Studios has helped and has helped significantly. And I do think Marvel Studios has done the majority of the legwork and made the smart decisions that have put the Spider-Man franchise back to where it is now in the best position that it has ever, ever, ever been. And Sony should be much more, well, 
I don't want to say they're not appreciative of that, but they should show that appreciation by taking on Disney as an active partner. Now, if, if Disney won't come off of this 50-50 split and Sony says, that's just not worth it. We love you guys, but we can't do 50-50. This is our biggest franchise, and we can't just split it down the middle. We're not going to make enough money as a movie studio if we do that. That's fair. If that's Sony's position, that's fair. But there has to be somewhere in the middle that these two sides can meet. And I think Sony is really going to have to be willing to, I don't know what configurations they're thinking of, but they are going to have to seriously consider a configuration in which Disney shares a significant chunk of the cost and eventual profits of these movies. Yes. And, and here's the thing. What I was getting to before the, the breaking news, which was... It's not often we get breaking news in the middle no. of a recording. And it's crazy because, I mean, the fact they said that, to me, I, I, I feel more optimistic. I feel like they're really, they are definitely, they threw right back at Disney right there. And they're saying, listen, you guys want to play hardball? Fine. We're going to say yep. you're the problem because Kevin Feige is going to be too busy to really work on something that we feel that, again, they didn't necessarily, necessarily say this, but like feel comfortable enough to work on something that, you know, will, will give, give us what we, we will feel satisfied with if he's got you know tv shows and films and they're trying to make it seem like he's too busy and he's too you know but not he won't have enough time to give it to them but which is you know ridiculous obviously because i mean it's we all know that we all and we all know like you said too sean sony has you know they amy pascal did work on these films too it's not like this is all kevin feige and they just did whatever he wanted there was it was a collaboration and that is i think the key word here is that yes, Sony? Uh, w- w- would we give Sony like half the credit? No, because they didn't. I mean, let's be real. Kevin Feige and, and the MCU in general is the reason why Spider-Man was saved. And I have gone on record on Twitter and been just you know just been preaching that night and day. Sony was bailed out slash saved by the MCU, one hundred percent. You cannot get around that. Yeah. You go back, and that's why I brought up all those things before the previous Spider-Man films. Where, how well they, how well they were doing, how well they've been doing, and even outside of the MCU with Spider-Man, what's going on exactly? It's not like you know Sony has been making great decisions or just made a few for most of their you know Spider-Man's career, and then all of a sudden just made a few bad ones, and then you know they just need another you know they just need time to over you know kind of over overshadow things. No, you know they sold the rights back all those merchandising rights back to uh, to Marvel after, or Disney, I should say, back to Disney, I believe, after Amazing Spider-Man 1 because it just, it didn't make the money they were expecting. It's, it's, it's an expensive thing to make this. I remember when it happened, I thought that was very interesting because Sony couldn't just shell out money. And that's a theme you're going to see about this. Sony cannot afford to have failures and just keep going. The studio itself is on like a fringe. It's still like barely surviving. And you know how it's surviving? Because of Spider-Man. Literally because of Spider-Man, it's surviving. Because of Homecoming, Venom, a little bit from uh, obviously uh, Spider-Verse, and obviously Far From Home. All those things have single-handedly saved that division of Sony. It's not like the entertainment division is doing well. Ghostbusters reboot did terrible. The, the um, Men in Black the, International? Yeah, terrible. I mean, I, there's other things I'm I'm forgetting too. I can't remember off off the top well, of my head. Yeah, I mean they've had they've had a pretty good run in these past couple years. Even though they've had they have high profile failures, most notably recently this summer, Men in Black International. But 
John Wick, or I think they're John Wick, right? Or is that Lionsgate? That's but, Lionsgate. Yeah, yeah, that's Lionsgate. So that's not them. Uh, but no, they did have uh, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is their success story. That's making nice money for them. And Jumanji, a couple Lock years Jumanji. ago, yeah, made a lot true. of money, made over $900 million worldwide. And they got another Jumanji coming out this year. I don't know how many more Jumanji movies are going to make crazy money, though. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. So Spider-Man is the future when it comes to, you know, it is the present and future for Sony. Which, it, that certainly speaks to why they don't just want to say, yeah, sure, take half the profit. I, I understand that position from them. I, I really do, which is why I'm not I'm not going to be calling for a boycott of Sony. I'm not going to be saying they're the bad guy in this. I do think the one little bit that they put out about producer credit is to io9. I think that's crap. And I do think that just blaming this on Kevin Feige's workload and statement of Hollywood Reporter... I think that's a bit of crap, and they're just trying to save face for themselves. But nope. they know that look, it, it's not about because it's not about the the time and Feige's schedule. Look, I've been amazed for years at how Kevin Feige has enough time to do all the things he does at Marvel Studios, but he always finds a way to get the job done. But part of that is being surrounded by a lot of really smart people who can also make really good decisions and contribute to these films, so that he doesn't necessarily have to be super hands-on every single day with every single project that Marvel Studios is working on. There's no director who's come in here and said, oh, Kevin Feige was working on my movie every day. No. I mean, they have, mm-hmm. they have, he comes in, he helps, and then he goes off to do work on it to help somebody else with another project, and everybody's left to work on the project that they're actually responsible for as the director or screenwriter or whoever else. You know, some other department head on the movie. So Kevin Feige is there, and he's a really great resource. So I'm not saying he's not doing a lot. He is doing a lot, but he can still manage, and he's always been able to find more time. But if that's going to happen, because probably Disney's solution on this would be whatever year we're going to have a Spider-Man film for Sony, it would be like this year. Marvel Studios makes three movies this year, but only two of them are Disney distributed films. And that's probably the way it would continue mm-hmm. going forward yeah. is any year there's going to be a Spider-Man solo film. There would only be two other Marvel studios movies that Disney would distribute. So yeah, it makes sense that Disney would say, well, this third movie, we'd like a decent piece of that. We're not going to get all of it. We know you have the right, you have the movie rights to Spider-Man. There's nothing we can do about that. But if we're going to make these movies for you and these help you, then then we want a piece in return. And for Sony, I do think it's in their best long-term interest. They have not been able to show that... Yep. They have not shown an ability to, to sustain the health and success of this franchise, and they had many years to do it before Marvel Studios got involved. They failed. I think it's only a matter of time before they would fail again if left to their own devices when it comes to Spider-Man and all of these related right. characters. I think they've got to get back to the negotiating table and they've got to figure this out. They've got to do something that makes sense for them, but they're also going to have to be a little more open to what it is that exactly makes sense for them and maybe give up a little bit of profit while also mitigating some of their own upfront cost in making these movies uh, in order to ensure a long-term deal uh, that allows this Spider-Man franchise to continue to flourish because we're not just talking about... I know right now in their mind, they're thinking, well, we got a couple more Venom movies that we can do. Yep, we yep, got a couple yep, more yep. movies with Tom Holland. But what about after that? What yeah. do you do after that? Because that's the part where you're not good at. Can you coast off of what Marvel Studios has already given you with Tom Holland and John Watts? Yeah, you probably can. 
But then well, what? And if you're not thinking that many years down the line, you should be if you're Sony Pictures. And so they should be thinking, wow, not only can we keep going with Tom Holland as Peter Parker, but if we keep Spider-Man as part of the MCU and we incorporate more of these characters into the MCU, that gives us more franchises that we can make more money off of going forward. And that can keep going all the way through Miles Morales. We can keep this thing going for another decade plus, decade and a half with Marvel Studios if we just if we just agree with them of how we're going to handle this sharing uh, deal going forward. So there's plenty of incentive for Sony. I don't know if they're seeing that today. And I'm, while I'm encouraged by Sony saying we hope that can change in the future, the fact that these sides right now are at this stage where they're playing the blame game in public, which is negotiating and it is posturing, it's getting to a point where it's starting to feel a little too personal, even though maybe it's not, but it's starting to feel personal between these two sides. And that doesn't give me a lot of hope that, uh, that they're going to come back together and get this done. Yeah, and, and, and here's the thing, and this is what I, I, I don't understand. And I underst- we all understand, yes, Sony needs to make money, and this is their biggest franchise. And as we've said before, their fil- the, fr- the film franchises only have a few things. And like even, again, I forgot about Juman- Jumanji, but for the most part, they have not. They have if they have Jumanji and Spider Man, that's it. That's their literal. And if you count Ghostbusters, you know, 2020 that's coming out, which I'm actually still excited for because I'm a huge Ghostbusters fan. You know, that still, to be honest, is probably a safe movie for them because they're afraid to make a high budget uh, Ghostbusters film after the last one. And this one, from all intents and purposes that we see, is a scaled down version of it. And it's probably going to make money just because of how little they're spending and they're trying to tie it to the original continuity. So Sony is making some smart decisions. And I even said before, like, man, like Sony's actually doing, you know, somewhat well for the most part in the last, I'd say, couple of years. And again, a lot of that's because of the MCU of building up better, you know, goodwill with Homecoming. And we again, even though I don't I didn't love Venom and it's it's really freaking ridiculous, made a lot of money. And I love obviously Into the Spider-Verse. And that was again, I feel like Venom and, and, and Into the Spider-Verse were literally lightning in a bottle. So you take all those different things and you wonder why can't they make this work? Why can't they have this? They, they have all these these intellectual properties, quote unquote, with the Spider-Man characters like Morbius. And, and, and I'm not even counting Venom because I'll, I'll give them Venom, even though I don't necessarily agree with it. I'll give them Venom, right? But let's say Morbius and these other characters, they want to create like Black Cat, Silver Sable. Though I like those characters a lot. Are they going to be able to, you know, Craven the Hunter? Are they going to be carry their own cinematic universe? I don't know. And like, like I said before, we don't know how much money Sony's going to be able to put into a cinematic universe. It's not like, you know, the MCU, they had a great, they had a huge hit with Iron Man. The Incredible Hulk wasn't a giant hit. It was a moderate hit. Again, go back to Thor. Thor was a pretty decent hit. It wasn't gigantic, but it was successful enough to people, you know, got people interested. Captain America as well. How much are they expecting and how much do they need to return on their investments to get the cinematic uh, cinematic universe going? It's not like you're even Warner Brothers, right? Warner Brothers, at least with the DCEU, they had a lot, they have deeper pockets, I would assume, than a Sony would at this point, at least yeah. in their film division. So with all that being said, there's that you have to think about. You have the aspect of how many failures can they have in their out, outside of Spider-Man? How many failures can they have in their cinematic universe they want to build towards with Spider-Man? Okay. Then what's out of this fact? I don't understand. And this is I, I said this on Twitter. 
Sean, and you already alluded to it a little bit. And, and, and there's a first thing I thought of. I don't understand how Sony can sit there and say, well, we got to, we got to, we can't, we, we can't have our cake and we can't, ha- we can't eat it too. It's like, no, no, no. You Sony can have your cake and eat it too. Cause here's the deal. You have already established the fact you've got multiple Spider-Man characters in like at the same freaking time in, into the Spider-Verse. You won an Academy Award for it, mm. for God's sakes. Why not use it? It doesn't make any sense. Like it's seriously just really, really, as you can see, I get, I get, I'm getting very, very angry. Lot, we're getting really angry because they really, it, it's, I don't get it. I don't get it. You've already established the fact that you have like almost ruined this character. You almost ruined this character to a point where audiences like you alluded to already that when the MCU version was being introduced, a lot of people were like, we were the third one. We already got the blah, blah, blah. They already did that one time and they had one mulligan and they went and crawling to the MCU after the leak of all the, the huge leak that happened, crawling back to them, bet you know, didn't beg, I'm assuming, but basically came in tail between their legs and they got it working, and now look, they made a billion dollars off of Spider-Man Far From Home. And they have the nerve to say, even the negotiating table, and say, yes, it's too much money. And yes, you're right, I've gone on record on Twitter too saying, yeah, that's a lot of money. But like you said too, Sean, it's a starting point. The problem I have here is, why couldn't they can, can continue the nego- negotiations? Why don't you continue to ride that wave that Marvel has already established for you? You're making so much money on it, decrease a little bit of your profit in the MCU to establish and keep Spider-Man in good standing until the MCU is not in good standing, which doesn't have an end right now and anytime soon. So you keep writing that. So the IP of Spider-Man is protected. The core, okay. The core of Spider-Man is protected. And then if you want to build outside of it, you've already established that with into the spider verse and saying, you know what? We can do different things. That was the smart thing they did. I give Mm -hmm. them all the credit in the world. But the problem is, if you think you can do everything better and you're not going to make any mistakes, you've already proven yourself. You've made plenty of mistakes and you've only made a few good ones. If you take, I just don't get how you can just keep Spider-Man in good withstanding, still make a good chunk of money, let Spider-Man do his thing and build himself in the MCU and not use a Miles Morales or something like that in this Venomverse, have multiple Spider-Man movies. I think this world is, is anything the Spider-Verse has showed us is that the world is ready for Miles Morales. He connected to so many people. Yes, it wasn't a giant financial hit enough to, I think, that like maybe gives them like the surefire confidence that Miles Morales can carry his own film or in his own universe or whatever. But the problem is, or, or the thing is, is that Miles Morales was introduced to an audience and he definitely connected to the people that actually saw the movie. And a lot of people didn't see the movie movie because it's animated. And it was just like, oh, what is this? We don't know what this is. And now that I won an Academy Award, people are going to be more apt and curious to say, who is this Miles Morales character? I mean, you're, you, and again, it's it's an African-American superhero too. It's like, it's it, you've, you've got so many things in your favor to move out there and be groundbreaking in, but you choose not to. You choose to instead fight with Mar- with Disney. Again, I understand why they're fighting with them, but here is an opportunity for you to be groundbreaking, do something different with, like you've already established in, with Into the Spider-Verse, and put a Miles Morales film. Imagine two Spider-Man movies being totally separate, and I think people could handle it right now. People understand there's different universes and different things. How many freaking, I mean, Superman have we had in the, in the last like 10 years? We've like five pretty much, right? Smallville, Superman Returns, 
Man of Steel, this guy from Supergirl. I mean, people are figuring out now, oh, there's different there's different versions of these characters. That's great. So why don't you use it to your advantage? Use Miles Morales, who's an amazing character, his universe. It's all there for the taking. I just don't get it. You can have your cake and eat it too, Sony. Why are you so, ugh, it's so frustrating to me. Because to me, they could easily put this Miles Morales into this Venomverse completely. And, and even, here's the, here's the novel idea, Sean. This is what I don't get. There isn't, the, the, the younger audience, uh, we're talking like the teen audience. You mm -hmm. could even go younger than Tom Holland is supposed to be in Homecoming. You could be the middle school freshman era with Miles Morales and have him be with Venom and have that, that kind of weird kind of, uh, you know, kind of altercation or, or kind of go, go between or whatever I'm trying to explain here. I'm sorry. I'm too riled up to, to kind of, you know, go off of these two characters. Yeah. That's the thing. You could do so much with that. It could be different, but instead they want to fight over this, you know, yeah, sorry. I'm just, yeah. well, look, it's, it's frustrating because it doesn't feel and I don't know what these negotiations are like. And as far as who we know, I mean, if Disney, it, it's pretty clear at this point, especially after the statement that Sony issued, that Disney slash Marvel, they're the source of the leak for the deadline article. So that's the one talking about a 50-50 split. So Disney appears to be being even, well, they're not open in terms of saying we're publicly commenting on this. It's through, you know, anonymous sources, but that appear to be from Disney. Or, and or Marvel saying that they want this 50-50 they want this 50-50 split. Okay, that's great. But Sony isn't really acknowledging off the record or on the record what specifically they want besides what besides the configuration that's already been in place with the 5% off the first dollar gross. So what they really got to figure out is or what I hope that they figure out there has to be somewhere closer to where Disney's at but not so not too close to where Disney's at that it makes that it do, it no longer makes sense for Sony to do the deal there has to be a place financially where this makes sense for both sides i know it doesn't make sense anymore and and i know that this might be frustrating to fans you know cuz there people could be frustrated on Disney's position on this too and and some people are some people are wrongfully using the word monopoly as they have been ever since the Disney Fox deal, but I don't want to go down that because we don't have enough show left, and that is an entire podcast unto itself. But some people could be angry with Disney and say, well, Disney's getting greedy, is being greedy about all of this. I don't know that it really qualifies as greed when you know that you have. Would anybody dispute that Marvel Studios deserves at least 50% of the credit for Spider Man's success in recent years? Would anybody dispute that? I, I, nobody could reasonably. Well said. Well said. So for them to ask for fifty percent of the money, I, while also being willing to share in fifty percent of the cost, it's not that ridiculous. Is it too high to make financial sense for Sony? Yes, that's probably true. So you can be angry with Disney and say they're asking for too much, but as I said. Asking for that much isn't necessarily saying, well, this is where we're going to end up. You got to ask for that much and you got to act like you're serious about asking for that much so that maybe you can get somewhere in between what you're asking for and what they're offering. That's negotiating. And that's probably where things were at. Things seem to have escalated in a way that 
maybe it becomes irreparable or maybe cooler heads prevail with this. I, I feel like what's what's clear here is that fans want Spider-Man to be part of the MCU. And you could say, well, the online chatter, that it won't, and I even said earlier in this podcast, well, the online chatter, it's, it's mostly people who are going to go see the movies anyway. And a lot of the general audience will be unaffected by all of this drama and they'll just go see the movie. And I do think there is some truth to that, but I also think that that's why I say in the short term, Sony will be fine without sharing Spider-Man with Disney and Marvel Studios. Long term, I think that's where they're going to run into issues because Marvel Studios has proven that they can sustain their momentum, sustain the audience's trust, and just continue to keep rolling. Sony has not proven that they are capable of doing that, so they should be working with a studio that they know is capable of just keeping the train rolling and also leveraging their relationship with that studio to strengthen the other Spider-Man films that they're doing and to have all of those be hits. Rather than have the occasional fluke like Venom and then hoping for the best with the main Spider-Man franchise, they could have Marvel Studios consulting, and I'm not saying everything would be a 50-50 split, but if the main Spider-Man solo franchise is a 50-50 split and then Marvel Studios agrees to consult on other things like Venom and Morbius, just using Morbius as an example, I know they already shot it, but other spinoffs that Sony wants to do, those franchises could be more valuable, and maybe Marvel Studios actually does say, look, if we're consulting on those, we'll actually let those be part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and that would raise the profile of those films and make them feel just that much more, uh, just a little more necessary for the audience to want to keep up with those movies. So, it feels like to me there's it makes too much sense for these two sides to just come together and continue to work together. I think it makes sense for Disney, so they probably need to be willing to soften their 50-50 stance. Sony needs to be willing to come up a little bit to try and meet Disney somewhere in the middle. For I don't know where Sony's at, but wherever they're at, they need to come closer to Disney and these two sides needs to need to make a deal because I think having Having Spider-Man, it helps the MCU. It will help future team-up films for Marvel Studios, and maybe not as much as it has in the past, but it will still help them. And obviously, as I said, Marvel Studios has done wonders for Spider-Man for Sony, so they should just be willing to have that continue. Because, And, and maybe the effect with the general audience would be more than I'm giving it credit for. Maybe it would be more immediate than I'm giving it credit for. I mean, this is a lot of negative press, and if you just keep having negative press for every time a story comes up about Sony and about Spider-Man... That could actually impact their films. I mean, we'll see. Tom Holland hasn't yeah. said anything. He posted a couple hours ago about some new car he got, but he hasn't mentioned anything about this story. Jer- Jeremy Renner's already chimed in, uh, telling Sony to give Spider-Man back to Marvel, but I don't know. That's not really going to do anything. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> um, But we'll see. I mean, I don't know how Tom, Ho- how Tom Holland feels about this. I don't know how John Watts feels about this. I, I really don't know. I got to feel like Tom Holland, though, would probably ideally like to continue working with Kevin Feige and Marvel Studios and continue to be part of that team. He's probably, I don't think he would be as excited. I'm not going to speak for him, but if I had to speculate, I don't think he would be as excited about working, continuing to do this. And now he's under contract and probably not going to force his way out, but he's probably not as jazzed about this uh, with Marvel Studios not being involved. Hopefully these two sides will come back together. I don't know what specifically it's going to take for that to happen. But clearly, that's what the audience wants. So hopefully, everybody involved hears this. And we haven't even mentioned this yet, but I mean, this is a, this is the week of D23 Expo, mm. and 
whatever Marvel Studios is about to announce, it's not great for them either. I mean, they sure a lot of people will blame Sony and see Sony as as the bad guy. And as I said, I don't think there's a bad guy here, but a lot of people will see Sony as the bad guy. But regardless of who the bad guy is, this news of Spider-Man being gone from the MCU could potentially override quite literally anything Marvel Studios is prepared to announce on Saturday. I mean, and I don't know what they're going to announce on Saturday. Maybe they're going to say, you know, we got an X-Men movie that we're announcing, or we got a Fantastic Four movie that we're announcing. But as big as those announcements would be, even if the, the, even if the D23 Expo announcements are not overshadowed, completely overshadowed by this Spider-Man news, they could, I mean, it would still be an asterisk, right? It would still be this, yeah, yeah. but that would be attached to, it. I mean, I'm reminded of, I mean, it's a completely different set of circumstances, but I'm reminded of the James Gunn news breaking during the Friday of Comic-Con last year. That situation got fixed, by the way, so hopefully that happens again later on down the line here with this uh, with this Spider-Man sharing deal. But the difference between these two things is Marvel Studios wasn't going up on Saturday. You know, when the James Gunn news bro- uh, broke, Marvel Studios didn't have a presentation on Saturday, so they didn't have to get up on stage with this bad news in the air. This Saturday, they are getting up on stage during the movie presentation at D23, and this bad news is there. Now, I don't know that... I, I, at this point, I would be shocked if this this situation may come to a resolution that works in a way that fans want with Sony and Marvel Studios slash Disney continuing to share Spider-Man. Right now, though, these sides appear to be more than just a few days apart. So I don't know that they're going to be able to really... I really don't know if they're going to be able to come together in order to change the narrative in time for D23. But I don't. regardless of the timing, I just hope these two sides get back together and negotiate it's what the fans want. There's a way. There has to be a way. There has to be a number or a set of numbers that makes this make sense for all sides involved. Yeah, and you know, if I'm a betting man, and I'm not, but if I was, I would think that they would they'd come to some kind of conclusion and that or or a, a agreement to do uh, continue their their relationship for the time or for another you know three four films or whatever you know at a time and every four or five years kind of reevaluate where they're at i just i like in my rant i just i just did i think there's too much that sony can do with spider-man besides the mcu and that again if they do it right they they could have their cake and eat it too and it's I just really, really hope that, you know, I, I hope that they can come to that conclusion. And who knows? Maybe this is – maybe they wanted to – well, I hope it wouldn't announce any Spider-Man movie on, on D23. That would be ridiculous. But maybe they're trying to get something, you know, another confirmation of, you know, a Spider-Man in a Fantastic Four or, some, or something like that. They wanted to kind of kind of throw that with something else and the fact that they just couldn't have come to an agreement to kind of confirm that – you know, there's more MCU films on the way, and here's a, the next slate, and or whatever. We, do, I don't know, probably not, but you never know. And, and who knows? Maybe Comic Con they wanted to show a Spider-Man movie, but because they didn't have an agreement and they were yeah. kind of at a, a stalemate, they decided to leave it off and yeah, say, you know probably. what? Yeah. So I think there's there's a lot to be like you said, Sean. I I think there it's not it's not this is not great news. The fact they're doing this, let's be real, it's not great. Oh no but, no no, we're we are we're in a bad spot right now. But but. I, I do think that Sony also realizes what an MCU Spider-Man can do. And even though they they might think that they can they can use Tom Holland still and not acknowledge the MCU, it would be pretty foolish, I think, of them. And now granted, it is Sony. So let's, let's be real. Yeah. It's very possible they could do it. But 
I think even for them, they'd have to real they'd have to be pretty much in a spot where they have no they have no return. Like they even went back to Disney and said, well, "We'll do this now." They went, "Nope, you're done. We're done with you." They, they'd have to really hurt themselves. Yeah. No, I mean, look. If Sony walked in, if Sony made a phone call tomorrow and said, "Okay, we'll we'll agree to the 50-50 split," Disney's going to do the deal. That that is if also if Disney called Sony tomorrow and said, "Ah, we'll just keep we'll keep all the terms the same and we'll just extend it," Sony would do that. So if if one side was willing to completely cave to what the other side wants, this is a done deal and we're fine. But that's not going to happen. So what really what this really comes down to is setting ego aside, setting hurt feelings aside, setting, you know, whoever's ego, and I'm not accusing any one specific person of having an ego about this and just doing something. There is a solution here that makes sense for both parties. That's what's happening here. And we'll see what happens. I mean, I know people are already making a thing of the fact that Sony's stock dropped in the wake of this news. And that's Sony corporate, not just the entertainment division. So who knows? Maybe Sony corporate leadership steps in here and says, look, we're we're going to figure this out. Uh, I, I don't know what, as I said a million times now, and apologize for the ramble, I, I don't know what it's going to take, but there has to be whatever it takes to steal from Endgame. There's got to be a solution here that these two sides can find. And uh, I, I just... I really hope they find it. It would be such such a shame to lose Spider-Man. It's been so great having him in the MCU, and and I know that. But there are there are bigger problems in the world, and and what character gets to show up in what cinematic universe is is very much in in the realm of first world problems. But you know, in as somebody who you know, or as two guys who who really love these movies and that these mean a lot to, speaking to an audience that these movies mean a lot to, I know that people have been really enjoying this, and there's been a there's been a lot of shared joy and enthusiasm with Spider-Man being part of this universe, and it would just be a shame for that to to come to an end prematurely. I mean, I know it's this has always been a one short-term agreement after another short-term agreement, but it's time for you know hopefully a, a longer-term solution to to bring these sides together. And I I wish I knew what that was, but you'd have to be involved in the negotiations to actually get that figured out. But I hope that Disney and Sony, for both their sakes. Maybe they don't love the way the other side, po- you know, was posturing today in the press. But whatever that is, set it aside, get back in a room together, and and figure this thing out because there's a lot of fans that would that would really really love it. And I don't just mean the diehard fans. I mean there's a lot of people. Spider Man is the biggest, most popular superhero character in the world, and I think a lot of people would love to see him stay at home in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I think that means a lot and has had a, a tremendous amount to do with the character's resurgence that that obviously has been big within the wall, obviously has been big within the confines of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but I think Spider-Man's momentum from the MCU has also propelled other things to new heights, which yep. it, it, no, I don't want to say that the MCU gets credit for Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse because it's a different story, uh, focusing on a character like Miles Morales, but I don't think it hurt. I don't think the extra, you know, buzz around Spider-Man, I don't think that hurt. I don't think the, while the Spider-Man PS4 video game was always going to sell well, I don't think it hurt that the MCU, that uh, the MCU had really bring, had really brought the character back and put him at the forefront of, of people's minds. So all of these things just can, you know, the MCU is a key contributor and a key driver for Spider-Man, whether you're super happy with the MCU Spider-Man or you don't love the way it's been constructed, uh, you know, that if you think there's been too much Tony Stark or too much other MCU influence on Spider-Man, wherever you're coming from, wherever you land on that, it really is indisputable at this point, though, that in terms of 
the mainstream awareness of this character and the mainstream momentum of this character, it has been driven significantly by his presence in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, thanks in large part to the brilliant storytellers at Marvel Studios who've done so much for this character and so much for so many other characters. So it's it's definitely time to uh, to figure this out. And I, I really hope uh, I I don't know, Paul. I'm I'm just I'm at a loss right now because I yeah. I would love to say that I feel like this is that I want to end on this happy note saying I feel like this is gonna happen, everybody. Like I feel like it's gonna be okay, and I just I honestly don't know if it's gonna be okay. Maybe by the time we post this podcast, breaking news. <laughs> like, yeah, the podcast you re- you just recorded doesn't mean a damn thing because everything's fixed now. I would I Yay. look. It would be worth it. It would be worth if we could get a breaking news right now. Checks Twitter. Uh, if we could get that breaking news right now, I, I'd be totally fine with that. But it, it's getting a little it's getting a little testy right now between these two sides, and it, it does yeah. make me fearful that they're that they may not get back to the negotiating the, the negotiating table. Or even if they do, it's not going to be in an ideal scenario. Maybe I mean maybe they don't get back into the negotiating table until after we get a third Spider Man film with Tom Holland that maybe fails. And then Sony goes back to Marvel Studios. But then we have to endure a, a Tom Holland Spider-Man movie that failed. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, I want this thing to be resolved. Uh, I really want it to be resolved sooner than later. And I have no idea if it, whether or not it's going to be resolved at all. Yeah, and that's kind of where I, I think I, we're all at. And we're just kind of we're hoping that they can figure something out or, or we'll have to endure a non-MCU produced Tom Holland Spider-Man movie. And let's be real. They're, it's just, it's you know, again, they may be able to do it once and twice but you know or once but twice in a row is going to be really tough especially without having the connections because that's the whole reason and remember that's the whole reason why they went back to to marvel it wasn't because you know we need to make you're the only people that can make good spider-man movies they wanted to revive the character by using their characters that was the whole reason why do you think iron man has a huge role in uh, homecoming it's you know because I was they, well they agreed upon but they wanted the cameos they wanted to bring that star power into the movie to revitalize the franchise because they ruined it okay so it's it's like they it, if they think they can all of a sudden don't need the MCU and they can just we have our own shared universe we can build off of you know that really you know overly ironic Venom movie that we just came out made a bunch of money we're gonna put Tom Holland with him it's gonna be perfect you know and it's 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 not I mean think about the tones people. Think about that. If that's what Sony's idea is, we're going to throw these two together because they have to meet. And I'm not saying they shouldn't, but if you just were to throw the Far From Home character right into the Venom universe, how like of an eyesore would that be? Or as far as it would be such an abrasive move as far as tone goes, you'd be like, if you imagine if you never saw Venom. And you, but you like the, the Spider-Man movies. You went, oh, Spider-Man and Venom. That's weird. I'll go watch that. And you watch it, and you're like, what is going on? If they left right. the same kind of tone, people will be like turned off by it. And let's be real. Do we trust Sony to actually follow through and actually get a good tone out of a Venom movie? Even after all that money, I don't care how much money it made. I'm still skeptical. I don't care if James Cameron's directing it. I'm still going to be skeptical. So here's the deal. You know, you can you can say that that I'm just great movie and made all this did all this and did all that, but the tone, man, that tone is it's unless Andy Circus comes in and totally does a 180, which that's kind of what I'm predicting right now, Sean. 
I don't think Andy Serkis is going to do something that's going to be exactly like the tone before. They're going to do something a little, it becomes or some kind of zaniness, sure. But I think he's going to try to get that tone, you know, shaped up a little bit. And I don't, I just don't think they're going to go full ironic, not with Andy Serkis. So, you know, and that to me is what you want it. You should go. You should go like Toxic Avenger trauma route, to be honest, because that's what resonated with people. They all love that. And I just don't know if Andy Serkis is going to pull off that comedic timing or that zaniness that they that the first one has that again that people kind of liked. So, yeah, I, I just I just don't know if it is a good idea to put Spider-Man and Venom in the same movie together at this point because the tones are so different, and I just don't trust Sony to, to do a good job with it. So. You know, it remains to be seen what happens, but I, I I do believe they'll figure something out, but if they don't, God help us. We're in for a ride. Yeah, I mean, trust is a difficult thing. I mean, people when when people try to throw out this, you know, well, everybody just gives everybody just loves Marvel Studios and they just give them a pass for everything and no matter what Marvel Studios does, everybody loves it. It's like, no, that's trust that gets earned over time. And actually, it's trust that Marvel Studios maintains with each and every film that they put out. I mean, your your individual assessments may differ, but every single Marvel movie has more critics who liked the movie than didn't like the movie, and most of them have a very strong majority that were at least pos- that leaned positive on the movie. Some and many of those emphatically positive on these movies, and their consistency, it it that has created a trust within us and within the general audience clearly who favors Marvel Studios movies over just about anything else going at the box office right now, literally anything else when we count uh, Avengers Endgame being the highest grossing film of all time, that's trust. And Sony just, they don't have that. And even if they somehow earn it, they haven't really shown an ability, as I've said, to uh, to sustain it. The only other solution that I could think, and this may not come right away, is if somebody comes along and just buys Sony and the rights revert back to, and they might buy Sony for other reasons because they wouldn't. Pro- Most accounts seem to suggest that not that you'd have to know the contract and whether or not those rights are transferable, even in the event of a merger or acquisition. But most seem to feel that the rights would revert back to Disney and Marvel Studios in the event that Sony Pictures was purchased. So if Sony Corporation, if they spun off their entertainment division, they sold it to another company, uh, that the right, the Spider-Man rights would revert back to Disney and Marvel Studios automatically. If that's true, then you say, well, why would somebody come along and uh, why would they want to buy Sony? Well, the reason they would buy Sony, if they're not going to get Spider-Man, there is still a pretty decent movie library over at Sony, and there's actually a pretty impressive television library over at Sony. And so as we're in this market of uh, of streaming wars and everybody launching their own streaming platforms for audiences, you really do want to have a library. So whether that's Amazon or maybe it's Netflix that wants to bulk up more of their library that's going to be as so many other uh, studios are taking away shows that they've licensed to Netflix to put on their own streaming service. If Netflix wants to have another library to pull from besides all of their own originals or maybe I, I don't think Time Warner could buy Sony because they just got bought by AT&T, and so I don't think that that probably wouldn't get approved. Disney probably can't buy Sony. It probably would not get approved. It probably would not pass antitrust after they just bought Fox. So the other one out there, the other big fish that people have speculated about is Apple, and it's been reported this week that Apple hopes to be able to charge nine ninety nine a month for their streaming service. They will be laughed out of the streaming wars before they even begin if they don't actually buy a studio with a massive library or license a massive library. But why not just buy the studio and guarantee it uh, forever? So maybe 
maybe Apple or somebody else ends up being the savior and all this and buying Sony and saving them from themselves and, and their bad decision making to perhaps be in a position where uh, they stop uh, working with Disney and Marvel Studios for Spider-Man because I don't think they can sustain it. Um, it's up to them to uh, to prove me wrong on that point. And that's not that has nothing to do with trying to paint the picture of Sony as the bad guy. That's just a general observation based on years of watching them and, and their handling of this particular franchise with Spider-Man. Now, before we get out of here, I guess I should apologize in advance for, for giving these folks a shout out on such a downer of an episode. Uh, but it's not a downer when I say thank you to Zach Kuhn, Jeff Lambert, uh, Kai Hache Mole, and Adam Graham. They are the latest patrons over at patreon.com slash Marvel Studios News. That's where we have all kinds of exclusive content that is not available anywhere else. We do Patreon credit scenes, and I don't know. We haven't decided ahead of time what our Patreon credit scene uh, topic is going to be for this episode, but we we discuss oh, it. We God. have an additional conversation. You know, let's talk about the extended cut of Spider-Man: Far From Home uh, <laughs> that Marvel Great. just Thanks, that Marvel just rained all over, and we'll probably have some postscript thoughts. Uh, from this episode. Uh, so we do have these extra conversations that we do on top of the main episodes. Those are available for just a dollar a month, and you can actually listen to our weekly Q&A shows that I do. Uh, that's available part of the dollar a month tier. But we have other tiers that include access to our Patreon-exclusive Discord community, where we've had people chatting all day about this news and sharing uh, plenty, uh, plenty of thoughts about this. Uh, we also have a daily news show that runs every Monday through Friday. And we have a Marvel Unlimited book club where we talk comics. We're going to have quarterly commentary tracks. And when you do sign up and you get the exclusive audio, you get your own RSS feed that you can put into a podcatcher like Apple Podcasts so you can get all of your Marvel Studios news content, the main show, and the Patreon exclusives all in one place. You don't got to track it down through multiple feeds. So make sure you check all of that out. And again, that's at patreon.com slash Marvel Studios News. You can also keep up with us on our website, marvelstudiosnews.com, Facebook and Instagram at Marvel Studios News, and on Twitter at Marvel Newscast. Paul, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter at Herman22 with two N's, a.k.a. P-Thug, also on Instagram at Herman22 with two N's. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Mr. Sean Gerber, Sean spelled S-E-A-N. So for Paul, I'm Sean. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. 